Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my good friend and bestie from Shining Service Worldwide, Linda Franklin. And we're going to talk about these eight pillars of health. And as Linda and I have been researching and reading and trying to improve our own health, we've come across what we think are eight really good pillars, you know, eight good benchmarks um, to have full health, like holistic health and wellness, like whole body, whole life health. And Linda, as we end into 2020 and go into 2021, a lot of people are thinking about their resolutions. They're thinking about what they're going to do in 2021, how they're going to make things different. Why do you think it's so important to look at all these different aspects of health and wellness? Well, especially this year, my God, this has been a year that has challenged absolutely everybody on the planet. So we're we're all, we're not going to be happy um, to say goodbye to, to 2020 because the challenges have been, you know, unbelievable. So in 2021, it'll be a great time to, to start really taking care of ourselves because I think it's going to be a much better year, at least after the beginnings of, of when we get all of the things, you know, we, we've got a new, we've got a new president. We've got, we, you know, we're going to have uh, vaccines for the, for the COVID. We're going to hopefully get more people back to work. So when some of the outside stresses are relieved, then we can start to go more internally into our own, into our own wellness. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we, we, we can think about it now because, you know, we want to have a plan for, for 2021 that is really will will take us out of these horrible places that we've been into a much brighter rosier place because um where we are now for most of us is not a good place because it's it's a scary place because we've never kind of lived through this again before so um we need to we need to be uplifted Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, we haven't lived through something like this before. And, you know, my dad has, you know, my dad lived through World War II and he shares some of his things that this is very much like what it was like, you know, during wartime, you know, and this constant fear that we lived under. And one of the things, though, I did recognize with with the lockdowns, with the um, restrictions and, and the changes that we had was how out of control my life was before. And when everything came screeching to a halt, I realized, like, I don't get good sleep. You know what I mean? For years, you know, sleep was something that that went by the wayside for everything else that needed to be done. How many hours I spent in the car driving and commuting and I wouldn't really plan. I would run to the store for this, run to the store for that, hop in the car for this. And whenever I got overwhelmed, it was fast food time. You know, I was and I was on this cycle that that COVID really ground it to a halt. And I think that happened to a lot of us. 
And so when we come back out of COVID and rebuild our lives, what a great time to start making some changes. I think it's easier to start with something new than it is, you know, midstream to try to correct. No, I, absolutely. And, it, and it's not just our physical health that was certainly taking a beating during this because the stress is, a, you know, the stress is a killer. And then we don't eat properly. And then, you know, we don't exercise because we're not going to the gym. And so it just it just plays, it plays out in every, in every part. But, you know, if we start with physical, um, because when you're not feeling well, when your body isn't working the way you want it to work, it kind of impacts all of the other pillars that we're going to talk about today. So I think we will start with physical because we've got to, you know, we've got to get back what we've lost. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for those of you that are wondering what the pillars are, the eight pillars are physical, uh, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental. And we're going to be talking about what all of those mean so that when you go to plan your, you know, new morning routine or a new evening routine, or, you know, maybe if you do resolutions or you bought a new planner, like I did, and you're working on 2021, what you can put in your plan, you can put all these different things in place. Cause Linda, they kind of run like a wheel. If, if each one of these spokes isn't full enough um, you're going to fall down. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of called integrative medicine because nothing in this day and age with, with all of the newness that's happening, no, nothing stands on its own. It's all integrated into, into a bigger, into a bigger plan. And, and you just can't isolate, you know, each one out and say, okay, I'll just work on this one or that one or that one doesn't you have to work on all of them it's like a jigsaw puzzle you have to fit on all the pieces for it to to be a beautiful picture absolutely you know and when you think about how physical is tied into nutritional tied into emotional and then we get social and spiritual intellectual financial um and environmental all of those impact each other you know they're kind of intertwined and i like to, you know, as we talk about, you know, setting up our full um, wellness goals and our holistic health plan for 2021, I'd like to take a moment right now to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Talkspace. You know, Linda, whenever I talk about um, talk therapy, you know, which we're talking a lot about today, I get people who say they don't want to go to therapy. It's too expensive. It costs too much money. But let's have some real down low talk today about how much we spend on things that don't help our mental health. You know, we spend a lot of money on coffee or makeup or hair care products and, you know, another set of pajamas that I can't even stuff in my drawer. And when I think about it, you know, is that stuff more important than my mental health? And with Talkspace, you can take care of your mental health without dipping into your savings account. And Talkspace, you can sign up online or download the app right now and start therapy the same day with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. And depending on the plan you choose, you can message or schedule live video sessions with your therapist and you pay the same amount every month. So it's easy to budget. You know, that's so important. Um, 
And we need to make sure that we are mindful of our spending because that's a big part, you know, of this holistic health that we're talking about today. And talking to my friends is very different than talking to a licensed therapist who has the expertise and knowledge to give me practical guidelines. You know, I I talk to one because I need help as a single parent. I also need help parenting through this pandemic. And I can't blow my cool at work or blow my cool with my kids. And this helps me keep on track. And it gives us the support we need at an affordable price. As a listener of today's podcast, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, right now, go to Talkspace.com and download the app. Um, or download the app. I mean, you can do either. That's how cool it is. And make sure you use the code MILITARYMOM to get $100 off your first month and show your support to today's show because they make this show possible. That's MILITARYMOM and Talkspace.com or go ahead and download the app. You know, Linda, we were talking about, um, you know, the different components of holistic health and wellness. And you know, one of the things that 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 Talkspace uh, ad that just ran hit me was how much emotional, social, spiritual, and intellectual come together as as part of kind of our internal health. Then we have like physical, nutritional, financial, and environmental, which is basically the you know the area in which we live, our our office, our house, our car. You know what what is that condition like? You know, it's kind of like half internal, half external. And if we don't take care of all of it, you know, we could have the healthiest body in the world, but if we're not social, if we're not, we don't have a spiritual practice, if we're not learning things and we don't take care of our finances, I think that was the biggest eye opener to me was that part of holistic health is financial. I mean, that to me was really fascinating. Well, you know, because I I have a Wall Street background, it it wasn't so fascinating to me. I mean, especially now, what are people complaining about? You know, they've lost their jobs. They're worried about putting meals on the table. Um, Finances are very important. You know, the old laddie, money does not make you happy, but it sure relieves some of the stress in your life. Yeah. But it doesn't come by magic. You have to have a respect for money. You've got to you've got to find out. Um, how you feel about money? What had what were you taught as a kid by about money? I mean, there was a lot of families where they say money was the root of all evil. Sure. And so, you know, psychologically, they said, "Oh my God, I better, you know, I better not have it because it, it's bad." Right. Money is push not it bad. Away. Push it away. That yeah, was money's me. not bad. Money's what not bad. What you do with your money, you know that that's very important, and you you can help yourself, and you can help a lot of other people. Uh, but you have to have a plan for that too. I mean, everything requires a plan. It just doesn't fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just want to touch back onto something really important that you said, and you taught me this because you said to me one time, and I will never, I can still hear it in my head. You're like, why are you pushing money away? And, you know, I, I don't remember what the context was, but I remember you saying that. And I remember like, it was like this light bulb went on and I was like, wow, you know, Linda's right. Because I was, I was taught part of that, you know, money is the root of all evil, you know, relationships are more important than money. And yes, they are to an extent, but I was finding myself doing everything for all these people for free that other people were paying for. And, you know, it was kind of my giving nature and how I was raised. And when you reframed it to me of going, 
why are you pushing money away? If somebody's offering to pay you, don't offer to do it for free. And that really changed a lot my, my psychology. And I realized that I didn't respect money. I was a little afraid of it. And I thought there was something wrong with money. I mean, that was really, that was a big part of my pushing money away. And you helped me with that. Yeah. And and the perception is if you give something um, away for free, basically that's what it's not worth very much because you're giving it away for free. Right. And there, and there's a lot of people um, out there that are doing terrific work, whether it's in this, you know, spiritual work or, you know, massage therapists or yoga or, and, and they really are giving it away. Like it's not important enough to, to really command uh, a decent, uh, you know, price for, for the, for the teachings that they're giving. And, you know, it's a mentality and it's an emotional thing too. So that's how it gets all tied in together. The emotional feeling that you have about money is how you're going to bring it out into the world. Um, Are you going to not ask for what you're worth? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to be afraid to ask for it because you, you know, you think that people won't like you anymore? You know, you see how it gets all tied in together? It does. It does. And then it cycles even more because once you, once you have like, let's just use this bad relationship with money, unhealthy relationship with money. So you have an unhealthy relationship with money and, you know, like, let's take my case and I push it away. So I push it away. So then I don't have any money. So I don't have money, you know, to join a gym or hire a trainer. I buy cheap food. So my nutrition falls apart. I generally won't go out because I don't have the money to spend to go out. And therefore my emotional and my social go down and my environment's going to go down. I remember when I had absolutely no money and couldn't run the heat in my house. Like how is all that health and wellness, you know? It's like they all come crumbling down, but now let's take the flip side. Let's say you overspend and, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship that way. You can buy memberships to the gym. I have friends who have three memberships to the gym, but never go. Right. Well, money can become an addiction too, you know, and, and every time you feel uh, emotionally upset, then you, you go out and shop and shop and shop. And then you, you, you work up these amazing balances on your credit card that you have no way of pulling and that and then again you need a plan and you know know what you, know what you're know what you want know what you're bringing in and you know and, and start a little budget like that I remember once I was watching Susan or Susie Orman on television she does all of these mm-hmm. money programs on the public channels and um she said, just look at somebody, how they treat money. Um, is their wallet organized or do they just stuff money everywhere? Do they stuff money in their pocket? Do they stuff money in a thing in there? Or is it organized in your wallet by, by bills? So it makes sense. And I knew always that when I, when I get change, I always put it in the twenties are with the twenties, the fives are with the fives and the singles are together. They're, they all, they're, they're all together. They're not stuffed into a little wad in my pocket. I respect mm. money. That doesn't mean that money is everything, but I do respect it for what it can provide. Right. And if you looked at my purses, you know, I have like four different purses. I rotate through every little pocket has like a $20 bill stuck in there. Yeah. 
but it's not organized, but it shows my fear of money. Like I'm always afraid I'm going to leave the house without money or not have money. So every little purse has, you know, like my kids could, you know, get a hundred dollars, go through five purses and take it out. But I tuck money places because I'm afraid. And, and there is a fear behind money of not having enough. My mom yes. was a money hider too, you know, like, yeah, so that, Yes. And so then part of part of the, this, these pillars of, of integrative health is to try to figure out why you do, mm-hmm. because it's hard to fix something when you don't know what you're fixing. Right. So you have to sit down with yourself and you have to try to figure out why do you have that fear of money? Where did it come from? Does it make any sense? Right. And it probably doesn't. And then you have to sort of make a new plan. Okay, okay, this this isn't really working for me now. You know, what can I possibly do to um, make it better? You know, a better relationship with money for myself. So, and that's just you know that's financial. But I think you know what you said was perfect because you have to have a starting point. You know, so if you look at these eight pillars, physical, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental, you have to have a starting point, you know, to, to, so sitting down and, you know, kind of making a list of these eight care, you know, eight aspects of, of holistic health and go, okay, where am I? Like on my physical, where am I? On my nutritional, where am I? You know, on my emotional, where am I? Social, spiritual, where am I? Intellectual. Because let's say your intellectual is super high like me. I read all the time, but, and I'm very spiritual. I journal, I meditate, but my social, you know, Linda is like the bottom of the barrel. I don't go out. I don't talk to people. I talk to you more than anyone on the planet. (laughs) especially now right well especially now but even if even if covid wasn't happening i would be more likely to stay home on a friday night read a book by the fire with my dog but then after a point i get sick of myself so and i don't nurture those relationships so that's something i have to look at the baseline and go you know what maybe you should start returning texts or calls or emails even though you don't feel like it because you have to maintain that aspect of your life. Well, you do, um, unless you're perfectly okay with just being there by the fire with your dog or your kids reading a book or doing a puzzle or watching television or, or getting binging on Netflix. Right, you but know, not all the time. Like, I know I need some social And then what happens is I get to a point where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go out. And I look at my phone. I haven't talked to people in months. Yeah. Well, then you pick up the phone and you know, right now, a lot of people are in that same situation, but I am a person who doesn't mind being by myself. Oh, I I guess. Yeah. So I guess, you know, after, you know, over, over time, it could get a little, (laughs) you know, a little, a little tiring, but when I have to force myself to go out, I, it, it's not good. So, no. I'm, you know, I, I know I'm basically a homebody. I like, I like being home. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I, I quite enjoy my own company, but I do recognize the need yeah. for, 
but you know, and I have like, you know, maybe five people on the planet that I actually care to talk to, you know, I, I can talk to a lot of people. And I think, you know, talking for a living is also a big part of it. You know, I talk to people, some days I do five radio shows, and I talk to five different people. By the end, I'm like, I don't want to talk to another human being for like five more days. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But that but that's you and and it's interesting that when you get to that point and you you look at it, then you say, okay, I need that rest now. You don't push on. You don't push. Oh no. You know, you recognize that you're done. Yep. Your barrel is full, kind of, and yep. that you don't want it to overflow because when it overflows, it overflows in all of those different pillars and your yes. relationships on everything, on your emotional, on your mental, on your physical. So it's, it's recognizing knowing yourself that when enough is enough, you have to take a step back. Yep. And reset, you know, the reset Reset. is really important. You know, certain aspects of my job require me to be more social than I would be naturally. And when I've hit that limit, like when I go to a convention or I'm speaking somewhere and they have a pre like breakfast meet and greet, then I have to do my presentation or my speech. Then they're like, let's do a talk after or a Q&A. And then they want to go out to lunch. And, you know, with the powers that be that hired me by halfway through the lunch, I like, I have to staple myself to the chair. I just want to run and go, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. Like, oh, yeah, and- I know. More often than not, I'll go back to my hotel room and call my kids, call my dad saying, I'm going to shut my phone off for the next four or five hours, whatever it is, just deal with it. And then I sit in the bathtub or I go to the pool or I go to the hot tub and I go by myself and I don't talk to anyone. I need that complete silence because if I don't, Linda, if I push through like you were talking about, I will be upset my stomach will hurt. I will crave comfort food. I will not want to work out and I might overspend or, or not spend just everything gets out of whack. Yeah. Just from that one simple overstep. Yeah. Because one, one simple overstep, it gets to be a habit. And when you're, when you're doing something, you know, when it doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And when it doesn't feel good anymore, it's really good to take a step back because it only is going to get worse if you keep plowing forward. Yes. But a lot of people, most people just keep plowing forward until the point where they're, you know, <laughs> they're going to do something that they really don't want to do. Right. Whether it get nasty, have a fight with somebody, do something, get in the car and have an accident, something this whole thing is about knowing yourself, knowing yeah. when it's time to go and when it's time to stop. Right. And, you know, I found, you know, Sharon Silver, she's proactiveparenting.net. If you guys ever want to look her up, she's taught me something when my kids were really small. She said to just, and this worked even when they were really little to go, you know what? I love you so much, but can I just have a couple minutes to drink my tea? You know, I love, and I still have to say this, you know, today, like Zachary and Max, they want to tell me everything because they're homeschooled, you know, because of COVID and, you know, I, I'm their social for everything. And last night I said, you know what? I love you so much. Can I just sit here and be quiet? 
Because I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I think at, with people we love, especially is we don't want to hurt their feelings. They come to tell us they're excited, you know, so we put on a happy face and we listen to them, even though we're like, oh, just shut up in our heads. And, you know, it's so much better to acknowledge, look, I love you, but I need this right now. You know, because especially yeah. for some of us who who worry a lot about hurting people's feelings, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. So I might take on more than I should. So giving them the preference, look, I love you, but I can't do this right now. Or I love you. Can I talk to you later? Using that I love you makes the person feel good. And then when you say I love you, but can I have this? You're not saying, will you stop talking? You know, will you stop talking puts the blame or the whatever on the other person, but just saying, you know what, I just, I really just need to to drink my tea right now. Can you just give me a few minutes and, you know, and then I'll be happy to listen to you or I'll be happy to hear this in a few minutes. And that way we're both feeling good about me taking a break. Right. And another thing, you know, um, that helps and, and so many people are sleep deprived, Mm. And sleeping is such an important part of, of physical, you know, because if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to wake up tired, crabby, on edge. And, the, you know, the day doesn't bode very well from that kind of a beginning. But right. most people take, take, you know, sleep for granted and they'll go to the, they'll go to bed with their with their iPhones or their iPads or whatever. And it's there and it's ringing and it's dinging and. And then the first thing in the morning, they're, they're back on there. And it really is a, a very bad thing to do when you're trying to get some really good rest. Well, your brain doesn't get a rest. You know, for somebody like me, especially when I work in technology, which is heavy brain work, you know, by the end of the day, I can feel my brain starting to smoke, you know, like those cartoon images. And your brain is just like any other part of your body. You know, if you sat there and yeah. did push-ups, you know, for, for 15 hours a day, why would you think that, you know, putting your hand in a push-up position with your phone in it for 15 hours a day is good. You know, all of these things, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is trying to find some sort of equilibrium between all of the different distractions we have, because we have a lot of distractions. Oh, tons of distractions. And, and so, and then when you don't sleep well, then you usually don't eat well, because you crave, you crave sugar, you crave, you know, stuff that, you know, carbs, you, 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 you don't get the vegetables because you just feel like you need to keep refueling yourself, but not with the right things. Right. 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 You're using, you know, you're using rocket fuel, you know, in a car engine and it's not yeah. working and, you know, it gives you that boost, but then, you know, you have the crash and it's very hard, I think, to focus you know, I know if I, if I have a poor night's sleep and I can tell you some interest, I was looking on my phone while you're talking about sleep and I have an Apple watch. So I have my sleep going back, you know, for a year now. And prior to COVID, I was getting between five and six hours of sleep a night, then COVID hits and my cancer treatment. So I made a conscious decision to sleep more. Now I get between eight and nine and I'm like, my weight is down, my income is up, you know, all of these things are happening just with one simple change in tracking how much I sleep. The other thing I did is I bought this on Amazon. It was one of my, what they call those COVID purchases. 
I bought this sleep mask that is great big thing, Linda. It covers like my whole face and it Velcros behind my head so it doesn't get tangled in my hair, but it keeps my head warm at night. You know, it's winter here. And I put a little essential oils last night on and I wrapped it around my head. And once I blocked out all the light, because we get a lot of moonlight. If we have Mm -hmm. a bright moon, my bedroom lights up and I don't sleep well. And what I found with using this sleep mask and a little bit of essential oil, it was a $10 sleep mask, has made so much difference in the quality and the length of sleep. Because my, I don't know if your bedroom's like mine, where mine gets fired with the sun the minute the sun comes over the hill. Well, I I get up way before the sun. I'm in New York City and um, there's, it's, it's never dark, dark because there's so many lights going on outside, but I've gotten used to it. And, you know, I kind of like it, but um, no, my sleep, well, I wake up so early and therefore by the time it's nine o'clock, I'm zonked. (laughs) So I might go to, I might put on a TV and watch TV for a bit, which you're not supposed to do before you go to bed. But to me, it's like a tranquilizer. Yeah. But then I'm up at 4.30, you know, so I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get at least seven hours a, a night and, and it's working. Okay. Let's go on to something else because this is, yeah. you know, this is something else women, you know, don't do. And it's really um, not good for their emotional health is they health. They do not ask for help. They Absolutely. try to plow through everything on their own because Asking for help is like a sign of weakness and and we never want to appear like we're weak. Right. Well, and I think it goes even deeper than that. Like I know when I didn't, I, I remember your face when I told you about not having a back window for like seven months on my car and you're like, why didn't you ask me for help? Like, why didn't you reach out? You know, it wasn't, I was embarrassed for sure. Okay. But more than that, Linda, I didn't want to admit what I thought in those days was that if I asked for help, it was an admission that I can't do it. And if I didn't believe that I could do everything I needed to do, I would fall apart. It was faulty thinking. Cause once I asked for help, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. Hey, I got the help. Hey, I'm moving forward, you know, but it was, it was my self-confidence was so fragile that if I admitted any little crack in there, that I was afraid that I would fall apart and I would lose what little confidence I had, you know, it's amazing thing how, how backwards thinking can be. And yeah. That's why I think talk therapy with a friend, a good friend, you know, somebody who's not going to judge you, somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in you doing, being, or, or having something or a paid therapist, because every once in a while, when we would be talking, I'd see your face <laughs> and then I would go, oh, maybe that's not thinking or what, what was wrong with that, Linda? What do you think? And, you know, cause you have a vested interest in my well being. You don't want anything from me other than friendship. And you would help me see the error in our thinking. And if we never express our thinking either through a journal or to a therapist or to a trusted friend, we could go years thinking the wrong thing. Right. And it's so easy to reach out and ask, I don't mean for every, every little thing, because, you know, we are, we are independent. We can do a lot of things for our own, but when we hit, when we hit a place where we really need the help, we have to go and ask for it because the worst somebody can say is no. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to stick a dagger in your heart. They're not going to cut your head off. They'll say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't do it. 
but you'd be amazed at how many people want to reach out and help. Yes. Cause it feels good. Like I think a yes. lot of people who don't ask for help are used to like, for me, I think the hardest thing, Linda, for whatever, 22 years I worked in children's charities and, you know, raised money and did all these things. And then to find myself, you know, after a divorce, applying for programs for food and helping me get back on my feet. It was really an awful feeling for a cup of coffee when I had to ask for help. Cause I was so used to, I didn't realize how ego, my ego was involved in helping others, you know, Oh, I'm helping you. And I have these resources and I can do this and I can do that. Then all of a sudden my mom dies. I go through a divorce. I'm in a foreclosure and you know, I'm needing help. And, you know, it was the best thing for me because I don't think I would be a full, wholly integrated person if I had never been on the receiving end and always just on the giving end. Yeah, well, that's it. There's, there's got to be a balance. Yeah. And we know tons of people that are just takers. And yeah. then we and know tons, tons of people, people who are just givers. Givers, givers right. So it's, it, and the, the, um, let me just, let me just, the, the givers. The givers feel embarrassed when they when they're given something when they take something right you know because and the and but the you know the takers usually aren't embarrassed but again it's a it's a balance what works for you it's never just a one-way street right. especially in a friendship you know the, the, there has to be a give and take and that and that's okay but always you have to examine what your motives are where did where did it come from that you didn't want to give where did it come from that you didn't want to take it's always self examination because um, who knows you better than yourself right well and that's one of the things like you know i journal and i think it you know it helps a lot and generally what i journal is so you know if people read my journal they'd be like wow there's something really strange about her like last night i journaled why was i so uncomfortable when x said this you know and i cuz it was sticking in my craw like you know how you you're going yeah. about your day and it keeps coming up keeps coming up keeps coming up and you know, one of my, my clients said, well, you just manipulate people when you're getting, you know, what you're doing with, with the salespeople, like, yes, you're getting results, but you're manipulating them. You're manipulating them. And I'm, why did that sit so badly with me? And, you know, I journaled for like five pages and finally I figured out like, there's a difference between motivation and manipulation. And that's the discussion I should have had. Well, I could have chewed on that all night and stayed up and tossed and turned. But when I sat down and asked myself the simple question of why was I so uncomfortable when this happened? Like, why was I so mad when this happened? And, you know, I tend to do that as part of my nighttime closing routine. You know, I, I take my bath, I brush my teeth, I sit down and I, I go through my planner for the next day to see what I have on the docket. And then I pull my journal out and I reflect back on the day and I go, what, what's sticking in my craw? And I write, why are you so upset about this? And then I, sometimes I'll start writing stupid things, but eventually the truth comes out. You know, I didn't like it because I think I should have been treated better. I didn't like it because it hurt my feelings. I didn't like it because it was unfair. And then the next part of my little journal will be like, okay, what are you going to do about it? 
Right. And, and, and I didn't like it because I felt that this person was off base mm-hmm. and maybe she was having a bad day or maybe she is what she's accusing me of being. That's right. You see? So, I mean, yeah, you, you work it out. And usually it's that people are transferring their insecurities onto you because for some reason it makes them feel better. That's right. So she's probably manipulating her staff, whereas I'm motivating my staff. You know, there right. we might be doing the same things, but for two purely different intentions. Right. And so you're talking about the end of your day. So I, I just want to touch on, you know, the um, the spiritual pillar. Yeah. And I know that it means a lot of different things to different people. For a lot of people, it's you know, it's it's their religious beliefs and sure. um, their church or their synagogue or their mosque or whatever. Um, for me, uh, it's more of my relationship with the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that for me, that's very important. And, you know, I've been, I've been kind of trying to delve into that for the, <laughs> for the past 30 years. And, it, and it's really quite amazing um, the things that you come up with, the things that you learn you know, different, how different behaviors uh, become different results. Sure. And, you know, I, I call that all the spiritual stuff. It's sort of like, you know, your thoughts and your feelings and what you put out into the world comes back to you. And um, if you put out good stuff, good stuff comes back. But if you're really troubled and if you're really in pain and you're really negative, you keep, you keep, on that train that keeps coming back to you because what, what other way could it be? It's your, you know, if your if your thoughts and your emotions are like magnets that attract, they're, they're only going to attract what you send out. So to me that, you know, that spiritual component is really important. It is, it is. And you know, that's where my journal comes into play because, you know, I I'm simple. I write to God, you know, sometimes I'll talk to God about things, but then there's other times where like, if I'm afraid I'll write to my guardian angels. And then if I'm feeling, you know, certain things, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I write and I talk to my dead mom or I talk to my dead dog, Misty, you know, my first love, my, my open heart dog. And, you know, I'll, I'll find myself talking on paper to, you know, this, this animal that I loved, or um, sometimes I'll be like, okay, spirit animal, you know, what do you, what do you got for me today? And I'll, I'll be talking to him and, you know, and it's fascinating and it puts me at peace. And then the last thing I do before I go to bed is I set my intentions for the next day. And when I don't do that, I wake up really off track. So if I say, okay, my intention tonight is to get a great night's sleep. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to finish things for Lee, for Linda, for this, for that. You know, I'm going to spend some time with the kids. I'm going to make a great dinner and I'm going to have a nice bath time and I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. And then I say in my vernacular, I go in Jesus name, amen. And then I go to sleep and I will tell you when I wake up in the morning, I am in such a better place. I'm raring to go. I know what I need to do. And I feel like I've rested because I've put, put everything that was on my mind on paper somewhere. Yeah. Well, you know, these two words that I'm going to say now are so important. And sometimes in the midst of all the crazy, we forget, but they're called gratitude and appreciation. Yeah. Instead of focusing on what we don't have focus focusing on what we do have and be very appreciative and grateful for that because 
because we are we are all blessed in our own way. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, when you do your gratitudes, you're, you're given some insight, you know, like this year, I, I do my gratitudes quite often before I go to bed too. And I say, you know, and what it hit me recently was how grateful I am to be in my house this year. You know, a year ago, this month, I was preparing for a foreclosure, preparing to let my house go, you know, and all the different feelings around it. And then to come back a year later and be in my house, be happy, be financially stable. What a miracle, you know, and to be grateful that we had a Christmas, we have a Christmas in this house, be grateful that we're, we're still here. My dad's still alive. And I started kind of cycling through all the things I'm grateful for. And you know, the one that was really grateful for Linda was my bed. You know, of all the things in my house, I have many things to love in my house. I'm so grateful for my bed. You know, you have a soft bed, you're warm enough, we're well fed, and we get to go to sleep in safety. I mean, that's a huge gift. It is a gift. You know, and I, you know, anytime anything that I was worried about, um, doesn't come to fruition. I always, oh, I just go, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just look up and say, for all the people that are watching out for me and taking care of me, I thank you. I do not take it for granted. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and it's amazing when you move into that spirit of gratitude, like when people say, well, you know, what's the point? What's the point of doing gratitude? Write out 50 things you're grateful for. Just take a piece of paper, start making a list, and they can be really small. You can be grateful for these great pens you got. You can be grateful for, you know, your lunch that you had today, whatever it is. And then watch the warm feeling that spreads in your chest. Like yeah. you will, and you start to breathe differently. You start to relax. You know, when we're stressed, when we're afraid, we don't breathe. We hold our breath. Our chest is tight. Do your gratitudes and feel how you change inside and how much mellower and more relaxed you get. It's yeah. kind of cool. And, and, you know, paying it forward, you know, giving, giving, giving back, helping somebody else. I mean, you know, all of those things are, are wonderful. Yeah, but you know, sometimes they get lost in the shuffle when we're so focused on on ourselves and our sure. problems. Absolutely, they always say fear is a selfish mistress because right. fear demands all of your attention. Fear demands, you know, everything be about you. And I love, you know, I don't know who said it, but um, I love that fear is a selfish mistress. Right. So what what? What two haven't we talked about in this pillar? I think. Um, well, we got physical, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental. And environmental mm -hmm. is is important. You know, when I went to this one training program, and I don't remember what it was, they're like, you should have a clean car, you should have a clean office, you should have a clean bathroom and a clean bedroom. Like there were well, four places to have clean. That's and, not a problem for me. <laughs> no, and it's, well, sometimes it is like when I had little kids, they threw Cheerios and crap all over my car. My yeah. car was constantly dirty. And all you have to do to see the difference is let your office, your car, whatever it is, go messy like mine is right now. And then see how productive you are, see how you feel, then clean it top to bottom. And then look at one work day to another, look at one car drive to another, you know, clutter picks up the mind and it, and it, and it drags you down. And even though some people find clutter and junk and all this stuff comforting, is it really, 
So, you know, that's the thing is try it out. You know, look at how productive you are day one, clean your office top to bottom, compare it to day two. Right. And spend some time out in nature. Yeah. You know, I think that that's really important too, because especially if you live in a city, you don't get to see a lot of that. And um, just appreciate, appreciate the flowers and the trees and and everything that they do and everything that they go through every year and they lose their leaves and they you lose the flowers and how how resilient they are because as soon as the warm weather comes you know they they start to bloom again yeah and so we you know we can we can take their lead because even when things are really bad and you feel like all your leaves have fallen out they'll come back if That's you it. if you nurture them you know Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of cues in nature. My two of my favorite cues are the moon teaches us that we have phases in our life. We all go through phases and the sun teaches us that the sun always comes up every day. So when you look at resiliency, you go, the sun comes up every day. The, the moon has phases and then nature has cycles. They have seasons. Yeah. You know, and it's really funny because when you when you think about something, I think of, I'm a thinker, so I think too much and I worry too much. So that, you know, those are two things I'm trying to work on. Um, and when I got my my new puppy last year, I said, oh, my God, I mean, walking him four times a day. Oh, my God, this is going to be so awful and rain and snow and whatever and whatever. And I have to get up early. And uh, and now I just do it and I don't even think about it. And. I mean, we just had a big snow here in New York and taking him out and, and watching him like play with the snow is, was really lovely. Because yeah. you know? I and, and it's giving me during COVID, it's giving me my exercise because I'm walking between four and five miles a day by walking Charlie. Isn't that so it's a, Yeah. So it's amazing, you know, how the things you think are going to be icky and you don't really want to do them you know, just get in there. And once you start to do them, it becomes another habit that you just keep on doing it. And it, it's no big, no biggie. That's right. You just have to get through the beginning. It's like going to the gym, you know, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And once you're there, it's good. Right. And, the, you know, and there's that saying that the things we resist most are most likely what we need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, For sure. So we encourage everybody to look for 2021 at their physical health, their nutrition, their emotional health, their social health, their spiritual health, their intellectual health, their financial health, and their environmental health. Uh, We will be back again next week with another great episode. I want to thank Linda Franklin for being my wonderful co-host today. And what a great thought leader. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my good friend and bestie from Shining Service Worldwide, Linda Franklin. And we're going to talk about these eight pillars of health. And as Linda and I have been researching and reading and trying to improve our own health, we've come across what we think are eight really good pillars, you know, eight good benchmarks um, to have full health, like holistic health and wellness, like whole body, whole life health. And Linda, as we end into 2020 and go into 2021, a lot of people are thinking about their resolutions. They're thinking about what they're going to do in 2021, how they're going to make things different. Why do you think it's so important to look at all these different aspects of health and wellness? 
Well, especially this year, my God, this has been a year that has challenged absolutely everybody on the planet. So we're, we're all, we're not going to be happy um, to say goodbye to, to 2020 because the challenges have been, you know, unbelievable. So in 2021, it'll be a great time to, to start really taking care of ourselves because I think it's going to be a much better year, at least after the beginnings of, of when we get all of the things, you know, we, we've got a new, we've got a new president. We've got, we, you know, we're going to have uh, vaccines for the, for the COVID. We're going to hopefully get more people back to work. So when some of the outside stresses are relieved, then we can start to go more, internally into our own into our own wellness so yeah I think it's really important that we we, we can think about it now because you know we want to have a plan for for 2021 that is really will will take us out of these horrible places that we've been into a much brighter rosier place because um, where we are now for most of us is not a good place because it's it's a scary place because we've never kind of lived through this again before. So um, we need to, we need to be uplifted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, we haven't lived through something like this before. And, you know, my dad has, you know, my dad lived through World War II and he shares some of his things that this is very much like what it was like, you know, during wartime, you know, and this constant fear that we lived under and, one of the things, though, I did recognize with with the lockdowns, with the um, restrictions and, and the changes that we had was how out of control my life was before. And when everything came screeching to a halt, I realized, like, I don't get good sleep. You know what I mean? For years, you know, sleep was something that that went by the wayside for everything else that needed to be done. How many hours I spent in the car driving and commuting and I wouldn't really plan. I would run to the store for this, run to the store for that, hop in the car for this. And whenever I got overwhelmed, it was fast food time. You know, I was and I was on this cycle that that COVID really ground it to a halt. And I think that happened to a lot of us. And so when we come back out of COVID and rebuild our lives, what a great time to start making some changes. I think it's easier to start with something new than it is, you know, midstream to try to correct. No, I, absolutely. And, it, and it's not just our physical health that was certainly taking a beating during this because the stress is, a, you know, the stress is a killer. And then we don't eat properly. And then, you know, we don't exercise because we're not going to the gym. And so it just, it just plays, it plays out in every, in every part. But, you know, if we start with physical, um, because when you're not feeling well, when your body isn't working the way you want it to work, it kind of impacts all of the other pillars that we're going to talk about today. So I think we will start with physical because we've got to, you know, we've got to get back what we've lost. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for those of you that are wondering what the pillars are, the eight pillars are physical, uh, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, 
and our environmental. And we're going to be talking about what all of those mean so that when you go to plan your, you know, new morning routine or a new evening routine, or, you know, maybe if you do resolutions or you bought a new planner, like I did, and you're working on 2021, what you can put in your plan, you can put all these different things in place. Cause Linda, they kind of run like a wheel. If, if each one of these spokes isn't full enough, um, you're going to fall down. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of called integrative medicine because nothing in this day and age with, with all of the newness that's happening, no, nothing stands on its own. It's all integrated into, into a bigger, into a bigger plan. And, and you just can't isolate, you know, each one out and say, okay, I'll just work on this one or that one or that one. It doesn't, you have to work on all of them. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to fit on all the pieces for it to, to be a beautiful picture. Absolutely. You know, and when you think about how physical is tied into nutritional, tied into emotional, and then we get social and spiritual, intellectual, financial, um, and in, environmental, all of those impact each other, you know, they're kind of intertwined. And I'd yeah. like to, you know, as we talk about, you know, setting up our full um, wellness goals and our holistic health plan for 2021, I'd like to take a moment right now to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Talkspace. You know, Linda, we were talking about, um, you know, the different components of holistic health and wellness. And, you know, one of the things that 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 Talkspace uh, ad that just ran hit me was how much emotional, social, spiritual and intellectual come together as as part of kind of our internal health. Then we have like physical, nutritional, financial, and environmental, which is basically the, you know, the area in which we live, our, our office, our house, our car, you know, what, what is that condition like, you know, it's kind of like half internal, half external. And if we right. don't take care of all of it, you know, we could have the healthiest body in the world, but if we're not social, if we're not, if we don't have a spiritual practice, if we're not learning things and we don't take care of our finances, I think that was the biggest eye opener to me was that part of holistic health is financial. I mean, that to me was really fascinating. Well, you know, because I, I have a Wall Street background, it, <laughs> it wasn't so fascinating to me. I mean, especially now, what are people complaining about? You know, they've lost their jobs. They're worried about putting meals on the table. Um, finances are very important. You know, the old laddie, money does not make you happy, but it sure relieves some of the stress in your life. Yeah, but it doesn't come by magic. You have to have a respect for money. You've got to you've got to find out um, how you feel about money. What had what were you taught as a kid by about money? I mean, there was a lot of families where they say money was the root of all evil. Sure. And so, you know, psychologically, they said, oh, my God, I better you know, I better not have it because it, it's bad. Right. Money is push not it bad. Away. Push it away. That yeah, was money's me. not bad. Money's what you not doing? bad. What you do with your money, you know, that that's very important and you, you can help yourself and you can help a lot of other people, uh, but you have to have a plan for that too. I mean, everything requires a plan. It just doesn't fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just want to touch back onto something really important that you said, and you taught me this because you said to me one time, and I will never, I can still hear it in my head. You're like, why are you pushing money away? 
And, you know, I, I don't remember what the context was, but I remember you saying that. And I remember like, it was like this light bulb went on and I was like, wow, you know, Linda's right. Because I was, I was taught part of that, you know, money is the root of all evil, you know, relationships are more important than money. And yes, they are to an extent, but I was finding myself doing everything for all these people for free that other people were paying for. And, you know, it was kind of my giving nature and how I was raised. And when you reframed it to me of going, why are you pushing money away? If somebody's offering to pay you, don't offer to do it for free. And that really changed a lot my, my psychology. And I realized that I didn't respect money. I was a little afraid of it. And I thought there was something wrong with money. I mean, that was really, that was a big part of my pushing money away. And you helped me with that. Yeah. And and the perception is if you give something um, away for free, basically that's what it's not worth very much because you're giving it away for free. Right. And there, and there's a lot of people um, out there that are doing terrific work, whether it's in this, you know, spiritual work or, you know, massage therapists or yoga or, and, and they really are giving it away. Like it's not important enough to, to really command uh, a decent, uh, you know, price for, for the, for the teachings that they're giving. And, you know, it's a mentality and it's an emotional thing too. So that's how it gets all tied in together. The emotional feeling that you have about money is how you're going to bring it out into the world. Um, Are you going to not ask for what you're worth? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to be afraid to ask for it because you, you know, you think that people won't like you anymore. You know, you see how it gets all tied in together. It does. It does. And then it cycles even more because once you, once you have like, let's just use this bad relationship with money, unhealthy relationship with money. So you have an unhealthy relationship with money and you know, like, let's take my case and I push it away. So I push it away. So then I don't have any money. So I don't have money, you know, to join a gym or hire a trainer. I buy cheap food. So my nutrition falls apart. I generally won't go out because I don't have the money to spend to go out. And therefore my emotional and my social go down and my environment's going to go down. I remember when I had absolutely no money and couldn't run the heat in my house. Like how is all that health and wellness, you know? It's like they all come crumbling down, but now let's take the flip side. Let's say you overspend and, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship that way. You can buy memberships to the gym. I have friends who have three memberships to the gym, but never go. Right. Well, money can become an addiction too, you know, and, and every time you feel uh, emotionally upset, then you, you go out and shop and shop and shop. And then you, you, you work up these amazing balances on your credit card that you have no way of pulling and that and then again you need a plan and you know know what you know what you're know what you want know what you're bringing in and you know and, and start a little budget like that I remember once I was watching Susan or Susie Orman on television she does all of these mm-hmm. money programs on the public channels and um she said, just look at somebody, how they treat money. Um, is their wallet organized or do they just stuff money everywhere? Do they stuff money in their pocket? Do they stuff money in a thing in there? Or is it organized in your 
wallet by by bills so it makes sense and i knew always that when i when i get change i always put it in the 20s are with the 20s the fives are with the fives and the singles are together they're they all they're they're all together they're not stuffed into a little wad in my pocket i respect Mm. money that doesn't mean that money is everything but i do respect it for what it can provide Right. And if you looked at my purses, you know, I have like four different purses. I rotate through every little pocket has like a $20 bill stuck in there, but it's not organized, but it shows my fear of money. Like I'm always afraid I'm going to leave the house without money or not have money. So every little purse has, you know, like my kids could, you know, get a hundred dollars, go through five purses and take it out. But I tuck money places because I'm afraid. And, And there is a fear behind money of not having enough. My mom yes. was a money hider too, you know, like, yeah, so the, yes. And so then part of, part of the, this, these pillars of, of integrative health is to try to figure out why you do, mm-hmm. because it's hard to fix something when you don't know what you're fixing. Right. So you have to sit down with yourself and you have to try to figure out why do you have that fear of money? Where did it come from? Does it make any sense? Right. And it probably doesn't. And then you have to sort of make a new plan. Okay, okay, this this isn't really working for me now. You know, what can I possibly do to um, make it better, you know, a better relationship with money for myself? So, and that's just, you know, that's financial. But I think, you know, what you said was perfect because you have to have a starting point. You know, so if you look at these eight pillars, physical, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental, you have to have a starting point, you know, to, to so sitting down and, you know, kind of making a list of these eight care, you know, eight aspects of, of holistic health and go, okay, where am I? Like on my physical, where am I? On my nutritional, where am I? You know, on my emotional, where am I? Social, spiritual, where am I? Intellectual. Because let's say your intellectual is super high like me. I read all the time, but, and I'm very spiritual. I journal, I meditate, but my social, you know, Linda is like the bottom of the barrel. I don't go out. I don't talk to people. I talk to you more than anyone on the planet. (laughs) especially now right well especially now but even if even if covid wasn't happening i would be more likely to stay home on a friday night read a book by the fire with my dog but then after a point i get sick of myself so and i don't nurture those relationships so that's something i have to look at the baseline and go you know what maybe you should start returning texts or calls or emails even though you don't feel like it because you have to maintain that aspect of your life. Well, you do, um, unless you're perfectly okay with just being there by the fire with your dog or your kids reading a book or doing a puzzle or watching television or, or getting binging on Netflix. Right, you but know, not all the time. Like, I know I need some social And then what happens is I get to a point where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go out. And I look at my phone. I haven't talked to people in months. Yeah. Well, then you pick up the phone and you know, right now, a lot of people are in that same situation, but I am a person who doesn't mind being by myself. Oh, I I guess. Yeah. So I guess, you know, after, you know, over, over time, it could get a little, 
<laughs> you know, a little, a little tiring, but when I have to force myself to go out, I, it, it's not good. So, no. I'm, you know, I, I know I'm basically a homebody. I like, I like being home. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I, I quite enjoy my own company, but I do recognize the need yeah. for, but you know, and I have like, you know, maybe five people on the planet that I actually care to talk to, you know, I, I can talk to a lot of people and I think, you know, talking for a living is also a big part of it. You know, I talk to people, some days I do five radio shows and I talk to five different people by yeah. the end. I'm like, I don't want to talk to another human being for like five more days. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. But that but that's you and and it's interesting that when you get to that point and you you look at it then you say okay, I need that rest now. You don't push on. You don't push Oh no. You know, you recognize that you're done. Yep. Your barrel is full kind of and yep. that you don't want it to overflow because when it overflows, it overflows in all of those different pillars and your yes. relationships on everything, on your emotional, on your mental, on your physical. So it's, it's recognizing, knowing yourself that when enough is enough, you have to take a step back. Yep. And reset. You know, the reset, reset is really important. You know, certain aspects of my job require me to be more social than I would be naturally. And when I've hit that limit, like when I go to a convention or I'm speaking somewhere and they have a pre like breakfast meet and greet, then I have to do my presentation or my speech. Then they're like, let's do a talk after or a Q&A. And then they want to go out to lunch and, you know, with the powers that be that hired me by halfway through the lunch, I like, I have to staple myself to the chair. I just want to run and go, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. Like, oh, yeah, and more often than not, I'll go back to my hotel room and call my kids, call my dad saying, I'm going to shut my phone off for the next four or five hours, whatever it is, just deal with it. And then I sit in the bathtub or I go to the pool or I go to the hot tub and I go by myself and I don't talk to anyone. I need that complete silence because if I don't, Linda, if I push through like you were talking about, I will be upset. My stomach will hurt. I will crave comfort food. I will not want to work out and I might overspend or, or not spend just everything gets out of whack. Yeah. Just from that well, one simple overstep. Yeah, because one one simple overstep it gets to be a habit. And yeah. when you're when you're doing something, you know when it doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And when it doesn't feel good anymore, it's really good to take a step back because it only is going to get worse if you keep plowing forward. Yes. But a lot of people, most people just keep plowing forward until the point where they're, you know, <laughs> they're going to do something that they really don't want to do. Right. Whether it get nasty, have a fight with somebody, do something, get in the car and have an accident, something. This whole thing is about knowing yourself, knowing yeah. when it's time to go and when it's time to stop. Right. And, you know, I found, you know, Sharon Silver, she's proactiveparenting.net. If you guys ever want to look her up, she's taught me something when my kids were really small. 
she said to just, and this worked even when they were really little to go, you know what? I love you so much, but can I just have a couple minutes to drink my tea? You know, I love, and I still have to say this, you know, today, like Zachary and Max, they want to tell me everything because they're homeschooled, you know, because of COVID and, you know, I, I'm their social for everything. And last night I said, you know what? I love you so much. Can I just sit here and be quiet? Because I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I think at, with people we love, especially is we don't want to hurt their feelings. They come to tell us they're excited, you know, so we put on a happy face and we listen to them, even though we're like, oh, just shut up in our heads. And, you know, it's so much better to acknowledge, look, I love you, but I need this right now. You know, because especially yeah. for some of us who, who worry a lot about hurting people's feelings, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. So I might take on more than I should. So giving them the preference, look, I love you, but I can't do this right now. Or I love you. Can I talk to you later? Using that I love you makes the person feel good. And then when you say I love you, but can I have this? You're not saying, will you stop talking? You know, will you stop talking puts the blame or the whatever on the other person, but just saying, you know what, I just, I really just need to, to drink my tea right now. Can you just give me a few minutes and, you know, and then I'll be happy to listen to you or I'll be happy to hear this in a few minutes. And that way we're both feeling good about me taking a break. Right. And another thing, you know, um, that helps and, and so many people are sleep deprived and sleeping is such an important part of, of physical, you know, because if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to wake up tired, crabby, on edge. And, that you know, the day doesn't bode very well from that kind of a beginning. But right. most people take, take, you know, sleep for granted and they'll go to the, they'll go to bed with their with their iPhones or their iPads or whatever. And it's there and it's ringing and it's dinging and. And then the first thing in the morning, they're, they're back on there. And it really is a, a very bad thing to do when you're trying to get some really good rest. Well, your brain doesn't get a rest. You know, for somebody like me, especially when I work in technology, which is heavy brain work, you know, by the end of the day, I can feel my brain starting to smoke, you know, like those cartoon images. And your brain is just like any other part of your body. You know, if you sat there and yeah. did push-ups, you know, for, for 15 hours a day, why would you think that, you know, putting your hand in a push-up position with your phone in it for 15 hours a day is good. You know, all of these things, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is trying to find some sort of equilibrium between all of the different distractions we have, because we have a lot of distractions. Oh, tons of distractions. And, and so, and then when you don't sleep well, then you usually don't eat well, because right. you crave, you crave sugar, you crave you know, stuff that, you know, carbs, you, 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 you don't get the vegetables because you just feel like you need to keep refueling yourself, but not with the right things. Right. 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 You're using, you know, you're using rocket fuel, you know, in a car engine and it's not yeah. working and, you know, it gives you that boost, but then, you know, you have the crash and it's very hard, I think, to focus you know, I know if I, if I have a poor night's sleep and I can tell you some interest, I was looking on my phone while you're talking about sleep and I have an Apple watch. So I have my sleep going back, you know, for a year now. And prior to COVID, I was getting between five and six hours of sleep a night. Then COVID hits and my cancer treatment. So I made a conscious decision to sleep more. 
Now I get between eight and nine. And I'm like, my weight is down. My income is up. You know, all of these things are happening just with one simple change in tracking how much I sleep. The other thing I did is I bought this on Amazon. It was one of my, what they call those COVID purchases. I bought this sleep mask that is great big thing, Linda. It covers like my whole face and it Velcros behind my head so it doesn't get tangled in my hair, but it keeps my head warm at night. You know, it's winter <laughs> here. And I put a little essential oils last night on and I wrapped it around my head. And once I blocked out all the light, because we get a lot of moonlight. If we have mm-hmm. a bright moon, my bedroom lights up and I don't sleep well. And what I found with using this sleep mask and a little bit essential oil it was a ten dollar sleep mask has made so much difference in the quality and the length of sleep because my i don't know if your bedroom's like mine where mine gets fired with the sun the minute the sun comes over the hill well i i get up way before the sun i'm in new york city and um there's it's it's never dark dark because there's so many lights going on outside but i've gotten used to it and you know i kind of like it but um no, my sleep, well, I wake up so early and therefore by the time it's nine o'clock, I'm zonked. <laughs> so I might go to, I might put on the TV and watch TV for a bit, which you're not supposed to do before you go to bed. But to me, it's like a tranquilizer. Yeah. But then I'm up at 4.30, you know, so I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get at least seven hours a, a night and, and it's working okay. Let's go on to something else because this is, you know, this is something else women, you know, don't do. And it's really um, not good for their emotional health is they health. They do not ask for help. They try to plow through everything on their own because asking for help is like a sign of weakness. and, And we never want to appear like we're weak. Right. Well, and I think it goes even deeper than that. Like I know when I didn't, I I remember your face when I told you about not having a back window for like seven months on my car. And you're like, why didn't you ask me for help? Like, why didn't you reach out? You know, it wasn't, I was embarrassed for sure. Okay. But more than that, Linda, I didn't want to admit what I thought in those days was that if I asked for help, it was an admission that I can't do it. And if I didn't believe that I could do everything I needed to do, I would fall apart. It was faulty thinking because once I asked for help, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Hey, I got the help. Hey, I'm moving forward, you know, but it was, it was my self-confidence was so fragile that if I admitted any little crack in there, that I was afraid that I would fall apart and I would lose what little confidence I had, you know, it's amazing thing how, how backwards thinking can be. And yeah, That's why I think talk therapy with a friend, a good friend, you know, somebody who's not going to judge you, somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in you doing, being, or, or having something or a paid therapist, because every once in a while, when we would be talking, I'd see your face (laughs) and then I would go, Oh, maybe that's not thinking or what what was wrong with that Linda what do you think and you know because you have a vested interest in my well-being you don't want anything from me other than friendship and you would help me see the error in our thinking and if we never express our thinking either through a journal or to a therapist or to a trusted friend we could go years thinking the wrong thing right and it's so easy to reach out and ask I don't mean for every, every little thing, because, you know, we are 
we are independent. We can do a lot of things for our own. But when we hit when we hit a place where we really need the help, we have to go and ask for it because the worst somebody can say is no. It, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to stick a dagger in your heart. They're not going to cut your head off. They'll say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't do it. But you'd be amazed at how many people want to reach out and help. Yes, because it feels good. Like, I think a lot of people who don't ask for help are used to, like, for me, I think the hardest thing, Linda, for whatever, 22 years, I worked in children's charities and, you know, raised money and did all these things. And then to find myself, you know, after a divorce, applying for programs for food and helping me get back on my feet. It was really an awful feeling for a cup of coffee when I had to ask for help because I was so used to, I didn't realize how ego, my ego was involved in helping others, you know, oh, I'm helping you and I have these resources and I can do this and I can do that. Then all of a sudden my mom dies. I go through a divorce. I'm in a foreclosure and, you know, I'm needing help. And, you know, it was the best thing for me because I don't think I would be a full, wholly integrated person if I had never been on the receiving end and always just on the giving end. Yeah, well, that's it. There's, there's got to be a balance. Yeah. And we know tons of people that are just takers. Yeah. And, then and we know tons, tons of people, people who are just givers. Givers, givers right. So it's, it, and the, the, um, let me just, let me just, the, the givers, the givers feel embarrassed when they, when they're given something, when they take something, right. you know, cause they, and the, and, but the, you know, the takers usually aren't embarrassed, but again, it's a, it's a balance. What works for you? It's never just a one-way street, right. especially in a friendship, you know, the, the, there has to be a give and take and that, and that's okay. But always you have to examine what your motives are. Where did, where did it come from that you didn't want to give? Where did it come from that you didn't want to take? It's always self-examination because um, who knows you better than yourself? Right. Well, and that's one of the things like, you know, I journal and I think, it, you know, it helps a lot. And generally what I journal is so, you know, if people read my journal, they'd be like, wow, there's something really strange about her. Like last night I journaled, why was I so uncomfortable when X said this, you know, and I, cause it was sticking in my craw. Like, you know how you, you're going yeah. about your day and it keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And you know, one of my, my clients said, well, you just manipulate people when you're getting, you know, what you're doing with, with the salespeople, like, yes, you're getting results, but you're manipulating them. You're manipulating them. And I'm, why did that sit so badly with me? And, you know, I journaled for like five pages and finally I figured out like, there's a difference between motivation and manipulation. And that's the discussion I should have had. Well, I could have chewed on that all night and stayed up and tossed and turned. But when I sat down and asked myself the simple question of why was I so uncomfortable when this happened? Like, why was I so mad when this happened? And, you know, I tend to do that as part of my nighttime closing routine. You know, I, I take my bath, I brush my teeth, I sit down and I, I go through my planner for the next day to see what I have on the docket. And then I pull my journal out and I reflect back on the day and I go, what, what's sticking in my craw? And I write 
why are you so upset about this? And then I, sometimes I'll start writing stupid things, but eventually the truth comes out. You know, I didn't like it because I think I should have been treated better. I didn't like it because it hurt my feelings. I didn't like it because it was unfair. And then the next part of my little journal will be like, okay, what are you going to do about it? Right. And, and, and I didn't like it because I felt that this person was off base Mm -hmm. and maybe she was having a bad day or maybe she is what she's accusing me of being. That's right. You see? So, I mean, yeah, you, you work it out. And usually it's that people are transferring their insecurities onto you because for some reason it makes them feel better. That's right. So she's probably manipulating her staff, whereas I'm motivating my staff. You know, right. we might be doing the same things, but for two purely different intentions. Right. And so you're talking about the end of your day. So I, I just want to touch on, you know, the, um, the spiritual pillar. Yeah. And I know that it means a lot of different things to different people. For a lot of people, it's, you know, it's, it's their religious beliefs and sure. um, their church or their synagogue or their mosque or whatever. Um, for me, uh, it's more of my relationship with the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think for me, that's very important. And, you know, I've been, I've been kind of trying to delve into that for the, <laughs> for the past 30 years. And, it, and it's really quite amazing um, the things that you come up with, the things that you learn, you know, different, how different behaviors uh, become different results. Sure. And, you know, I, I call that all the spiritual stuff. It's sort of like, you know, your thoughts and your feelings and what you put out into the world comes back to you. And um, if you put out good stuff, good stuff comes back. But if you're really troubled and if you're really in pain and you're really negative, you keep, you keep on that train that keeps coming back to you because what other way can it be? It's your, you know, if your, if your thoughts and your emotions are like magnets that attract, they're, they're only going to attract what you send out. So to me that, you know, that spiritual component is really important. It is, it is. And, you know, that's where my journal comes into play because, you know, I, I'm simple. I write to God, you know, sometimes I'll talk to God about things, but then there's other times where like, if I'm afraid I'll write to my guardian angels. And then if I'm feeling, you know, certain things, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I write and I talk to my dead mom or I talk to my dead dog, Misty, you know, my first love, my, my open heart dog. And, you know, I'll, I'll find myself talking on paper to, you know, this, this animal that I loved, or um, sometimes I'll be like, okay, spirit animal, you know, what do you, what do you got for me today? And I'll, I'll be talking to him and, you know, and it's fascinating and it puts me at peace. And then the last thing I do before I go to bed is I set my intentions for the next day. And when I don't do that, I wake up really off track. So if I say, okay, my intention tonight is to get a great night's sleep. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to finish things for Lee, for Linda, for this, for that. You know, I'm going to spend some time with the kids. I'm going to make a great dinner and I'm going to have a nice bath time and I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. And then I say in my vernacular, I go in Jesus name, amen. And then I go to sleep and I will tell you when I wake up in the morning, I am in such a better place. I'm raring to go. I know what I need to do. And I feel like I've rested because I've put, put everything that was on my mind on paper somewhere. 
Yeah. Well, you know, these two words that I'm going to say now are so important. And sometimes in the midst of all the crazy, we forget, but they're called gratitude and appreciation. Yeah. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, focus focusing on what we do have and be very appreciative and grateful for that because because we are we are all blessed in our own way. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I when you do your gratitudes, you're you're given some insight. You know, like this year I I do my gratitudes quite often before I go to bed too and I say, you know, and what it hit me recently was how grateful I am to be in my house this year. You know, a year ago this month, I was preparing for a foreclosure, preparing to let my house go, you know, and all the different feelings around it. And then to come back a year later and be in my house, be happy, be financially stable. What a miracle, you know, and to be grateful that we had a Christmas, we have a Christmas in this house, be grateful that we're, we're still here. My dad's still alive. And I started kind of cycling through all the things I'm grateful for. And you know, the one that was really grateful for Linda was my bed. You know, of all the things in my house, I have many things to love in my house. I'm so grateful for my bed. You know, you have a soft bed, you're warm enough, we're well fed, and we get to go to sleep in safety. I mean, that's a huge gift. It is a gift. You know, and I, you know, anytime anything that I was worried about, um, doesn't come to fruition I always oh I just go thank you thank you thank you I just look up and say for all the people that are watching out for me and taking care of me I thank you I do not take it for granted that's right that's right you know and and it's amazing when you move into that spirit of gratitude like when people say well you know what's the point what's the point of doing gratitude Write out 50 things you're grateful for. Just take a piece of paper, start making a list, and they can be really small. You can be grateful for these great pens you got. You can be grateful for, you know, your lunch that you had today, whatever it is. And then watch the warm feeling that spreads in your chest. Like yeah. you will, and you start to breathe differently. You start to relax. You know, when we're stressed, when we're afraid, we don't breathe. We hold our breath. Our chest is tight. Do your gratitudes and feel how you change inside and how much mellower and more relaxed you get. That's yeah. kind of cool. And, and, you know, paying it forward, you know, giving, giving, giving back, helping somebody else. I mean, you know, all of those things are, are wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes they get lost in the shuffle when we're so focused on on ourselves and our problems. Absolutely. They always say fear is a selfish mistress because fear demands all of your attention. Fear demands, you know, everything be about you. And I love, you know, I don't know who said it, but um, I love that fear is a selfish mistress. Right. So what, what, what two haven't we talked about in this pillar? I think, um, well, we got physical, nutritional, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and environmental and environmental Mm -hmm. is, is important. You know, when I went to this one training program and I don't remember what it was, they're like, you should have a clean car. You should have a clean office. You should have a clean bathroom and a clean bedroom. Like there were four places to have clean. That's not a problem for me. (laughs) No, and it's, well, sometimes it is like when I had little kids, they threw Cheerios and crap all over my car. My car was constantly dirty. And all you have to do to see the difference is let your office, your car, whatever it is, go messy like mine is right now. 
now and then see how productive you are, see how you feel, then clean it top to bottom and then look at one work day to another, look at one car drive to another, you know, clutter picks up the mind and it, and it, and it drags you down. And even though some people find clutter and junk and all this stuff comforting, is it really? So, you know, that's the thing is try it out. You know, look at how productive you are day one, clean your office top to bottom, compare it to day two. Right. And it spend some time out in nature. Yeah. You know, I think that that's really important too, because especially if you live in a city, you don't get to see a lot of that. And um, just appreciate, appreciate the flowers and the trees and, and everything that they do and everything that they go through every year and they lose their leaves and they, you lose the flowers and how, how resilient they are because as soon as the warm weather comes, you know, they, they start to bloom again. Yeah. And so we, you know, we can, we can take their lead because even when things are really bad and you feel like all your leaves have fallen out, they'll come back if you, if you nurture them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of cues in nature. My two of my favorite cues are the moon teaches us that we have phases in our life. We all go through phases and the sun teaches us that the sun always comes up every day. So when you look at resiliency, you go, the sun comes up every day. The, the moon has phases and then nature has cycles. They have seasons. Yeah. You know, and it's really funny because when you, when you think about something, I think of, I'm a thinker, so I think too much and I worry too much. So that, you know, those are things I'm trying to work on. Um, and when I got my, my new puppy last year, I said, oh my God, I mean, walking him four times a day, oh my God, this is going to be so awful and rain and snow and whatever and whatever. And I have to get up early and, and now I just do it and I don't even think about it. And I mean, we just had a big snow here in New York and taking him out and and watching him like play with the snow is, was really lovely. Cause I, and and it's giving me during COVID it's giving me my exercise because I'm walking between four and five miles a day by walking Charlie. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So it's amazing, you know, how the things you think are going to be icky and you don't really want to do them you know, just get in there. And once you start to do them, it becomes another habit that you just keep on doing it. And it, it's no big, no biggie. That's right. You just have to get through the beginning. It's like going to the gym, you know, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And once you're there, it's good. Right. And, the, you know, and there's that saying that the things we resist most are most likely what we need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, For sure. So we encourage everybody to look for 2021 at their physical health, their nutrition, their emotional health, their social health, their spiritual health, their intellectual health, their financial health, and their environmental health. Uh, We will be back again next week with another great episode. I want to thank Linda Franklin for being my wonderful co-host today. And what a great thought leader. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.